Hey, good evening. Welcome to another week of Bible Study Fellowship. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. It's great to have you back again. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 13, at least the first part of it this week. It's a collection of parables that Jesus taught to his followers. Let me open this up in prayer, and we'll dive into our passage. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that uh, not only have you given us so many of your parables in your word, but you've given us many of the explanations. Uh, Lord, thank you for the way that you meet us where we are with our uh, willingness and desire to understand and to hear you. Lord, thank you for the way that your word, that the Bible has persisted throughout the generations. And Lord, I pray that as we come to Matthew 13 tonight, that you will open up the soil of our heart, that we'd be ready to hear from you, and respond to what you are teaching to us. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I grew up with a younger brother. He's, he's still alive. Uh, he's three years younger than I am. And one of the, the strategies that my parents did when they wanted to communicate something between themselves but keep my brother and I in the dark was that they used the spelling code. So, for example, do you think that we should get some ICE? C-R-E-A-M, after church. Uh, and this was very effective for a number of years, but obviously, you know, as you can see, the shortcoming of this plan was that as soon as people knew how to spell, they'd be inside the, the secret code club. And uh, for a while, my strategy had just been to be like, you know, as I was learning to spell, uh, I just kind of kept it dark when I understood or recognized the things that my mom and dad were spelling. Uh, ice cream was certainly one of the things that got spelled. But in one of these interchanges, you know, my mom and dad were spelling something back and forth. And it was one of those same sorts of questions like, do you think that we should go to McDonald's after church? And they'd spelled it out. And my little brother spells out Y-E-S. And the whole thing was spoiled, right? He had he, at that point, he had announced to my parents that all four people in the family were in on the spelling code. Uh, maybe you've done this with your family or with your friends. You, you perhaps you have like a you know a family language Morse code sign language. Maybe your family all speaks Spanish or you know whatever Pig Latin. Uh, we we have ways that we want to sometimes communicate. Where it's inside, it's an insider dialogue. It's it's people who know the code are in the group, and we're trying to essentially conceal meaning from those outside of the group. Certainly, my parents wanted to have a chance to decide: Do we want to go and get ice cream without my brother and I offering our input? Uh, as soon as we were all in the same club, they had to switch to some other strategy. And I think as we look at Matthew 13, this is one of the things that's been going on. There's There's been a, a rising amount of opposition uh, to Jesus's teaching. We had a bit of a culmination of this during chapter 12 that we studied before the break when uh, 1214, the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. And so at this point, the Pharisees are, are actively looking for ways that they can turn Jesus' words against him and use it to condemn him. And so Jesus is changing the way that he is interacting with the crowds. And so he begins to speak in parables. And and, and Matthew is not a chronological accounting of Jesus' ministry. Uh, Again, Matthew decided to gather 
these parables together and present them to us as uh, a unified whole in Matthew chapter 13. These may have begun much earlier in Jesus's ministry than at this point, but Matthew's brought them together for us to consider as a group. Uh, And we can think about what Matthew's motivations might have been as we go through this. But I think one of the things that we're going to learn that we can that we can understand from this passage of scripture as we study it tonight is that God is inviting people to be a part of his family. God is inviting people to be a part of his family. Uh, He's not necessarily inviting you to come and be a part of the Speller Club, but he is asking you to become an insider. He's asking you to be in, uh, inside of those who understand what it is to do the will of the Heavenly Father. Jesus finished off chapter 12 last week, and he said, Here are my mother and brothers, and he was pointing to the disciples. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. And so one of the questions that we're left with as 12 wraps up and we're into 13 is, how is it that we know, what does it mean, what, what is it, how do we do the will of the Father? How do we understand that? How do we, how do we get in to that group of people that are in Jesus' family. And, and I think that one of the things that Jesus is going to answer for us as we go through 13 is how we can go about doing that. Uh, one of the things that we need to have is that we need to be able to hear from the Lord. We need to be able to hear his teaching. And further than that, we need to be able to understand that teaching. So let's unpack those two things a little bit. We're going to look at Matthew 13. We're not going to look at all of it, and we're going to look at it in chunks. We're going to look at the parable and explanation of the sower, which is Matthew 13, 1 through 8, and then also 18 through 23. And we're going to look at the parable of the weeds, which is Matthew 24 through 30 is the parable. And then we're going to look at the explanation of the weed parable as well. So those are the two things we're going to look at this week. Uh, and we're also going to be considering sort of, you know, as an umbrella section, what is the purpose that Jesus has in using parables? Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that throughout the uh, two sections. So first of all, the parable of the sower. Let's go ahead and look how this passage starts, Thirteen one. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables. That's how it starts off. A little bit of this harkens us back to the Sermon on the Mount. And if, if we're getting ready for Jesus to begin with this powerful, clear teaching that the Sermon on the Mount was, right? Blessed are you, blessed are you. You have heard it said, but I say to you. We're sort of getting ready for another passage of powerful preaching from Jesus. And instead, he says, a sower went out to sow. And, Ma- and, and Matthew gives us a little bit of a precursor saying that he taught them in parables. And so we've, we've clearly had a shift that has occurred in Jesus' teaching from the time of the Sermon on the Mount to this point in the passage. Again, this is the third major discourse that Matthew has brought together for us. Sermon on the Mount was one. Uh, the, the sermon or the, the information that he gave the disciples before sending them out was the second one. And the third one is now in Matthew 13. Uh, this is really a parable discourse. The teachings of Jesus in parables gathered for us in uh, this third major discourse. The parable that Jesus tells is uh, the parable of the sower. It's an agricultural parable of a man who is sowing seed. And as the man sows the seed, we see that there are 
four different soils uh, that the man sows seed on, and then four different things that happen to the seed as they go onto those soils. Just real quickly, you can read all of it if you want to in in 13. Uh, The seed in the path is devoured. The seed in the rocky ground becomes dried up. The seed in the thorny ground becomes choked. And then finally, the seed in the good soil produces an abundant harvest uh, at varying levels. Could be 100, could be 60, could be 30. And so as we begin uh, to, to wonder about this, Jesus finishes the section of, the, of this parable with, He who has ears, let him hear. And if we were in the crowd that day, if we were not a part of the disciples, and I think the disciples was potentially a broader group than the 12 uh, apostles, but we don't know for sure. But if we were in the crowd that day, this would have maybe been all that we would have heard. We might have been expecting uh, something more powerful, some powerful teaching, some clear teaching that we could, that we could you know, maybe more easily understand or grasp onto, uh, more like the Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus spoke in parables. We're going to look at the parable of the weeds uh, but um, we're going to have to grapple with, and the disciples were grappling with, Jesus' motivation for using parables. Uh, the disciples did come to Jesus in verse 10, and they said, you know, why are you speaking in parables? And this is an interesting question because maybe a, a better question or a more relevant question would have been, what was going on with the parable of the sower? What was the story there? Uh, and so Jesus does go on and give them some answers, but let's think about the explanation that's offered in verse 18 uh, for the parable of the sower. First of all, Jesus points out what is it that it means uh, when people are, uh, what is the, the meaning of the seed? Uh, and really that comes out to be the hearing information, hearing the words of the kingdom. And we see that repeated in Jesus' explanation, this notion of hearing in verse 19, verse 20, verse 22, and verse 23. All four groups of, of, of soil, of, of, of soil, and ultimately we realize that this is, it ultimately stands for people who hear the word. Uh, they've all heard it. They've all heard the word of the kingdom. And many of these words were coming directly from Jesus. But remember, Jesus did send out his disciples uh, to go out and minister in the towns of Israel. So the word of the kingdom, whether it's from John the Baptist, whether it's from Jesus, whether it's from the disciples, the word is going out. And the seed is all good. Jesus is not casting bad seed uh, into the, the, the fields to grow. And so this the sower is the same, the seed is the same, and there are these four different responses of the soil. And and there seems to be the thing that, that differentiates the groups, or at least the thing that differentiates the path from the good soil is the notion of understanding. If we look at thirteen nineteen, uh, Jesus is explaining when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. There's a lack of understanding versus uh, later on in the, this is in, in verse 23, uh, what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. So these two uh, polar portions of the soil, path and good soil, understanding seems to be the differentiator. Uh, if we look at the quotation from Isaiah that occurs uh, earlier on, back in verse uh, 15, uh, Jesus tells us that understanding has to do with our hearts. This is what it says, uh, For this people's heart has grown dull, 
and with their ears they can barely hear, with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. So understanding, you and I might think of understanding as being an intellectual activity. Uh, Jesus is correlating this to a heart condition. Understanding is based upon the condition or something that happens in our hearts. And so if there was no understanding on the people who are represented by the path, and if there is understanding by those that represents the soil, um, the question is, what makes the difference? What is the thing that makes the difference between not understanding and understanding as Jesus has defined it in this parable? Uh, And it seems that if we're trying to gain understanding, we should look at what the disciples did. Uh, what did they do when they didn't understand? They asked. They, they, didn't, they might have talked amongst themselves a little bit, but ultimately they went to the Lord and they asked him to explain what was going on. Their first question was a bit of a red herring. Uh, why do you speak in parables? Was their first question. But they were seeking understanding. With the parable of the weeds that we'll see later on, uh, the disciples came right out in verse 36. And they said, explain to us the parable of the weeds. So they asked the Lord for an explanation, for an answer, for information to help them understand the parables that Jesus was now using to teach the crowds. So back on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had had, had indicated that... Uh, His followers are welcome to ask. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And Jesus explains at the end of that passage in chapter 7 that the Father in heaven gives good things to those who ask. So understanding, uh, willingness to understand is something that happens in our heart and it is is manifest, at least in, in this account, it is manifest by a desire to understand by asking questions, by spending time with the Lord to understand uh, his true meaning and his true purposes. And I think that was part of the problem with the thorny and the rocky souls. The, the, the hard soil, they didn't even have a chance to understand because Satan just took it away. Uh, his deception, his lies, his untruths prevented those folks from even having an opportunity to understand their hearts, their, their soily hearts, were sufficiently hard that the seed could not uh, stay resident there. Their hard hearts had been hardened by Satan. They had no opportunity for understanding. But the rocky and thorny soil, if we look at those two, I think they were unwilling to ask. They were unwilling to take the time and the effort that was needed and ask. And the in the thorny soil, uh, or at least let's talk about the rocky soil first. You know, the, the Jesus talked about that there was difficulty and persecution and challenges that were present in these people's lives. I I sort of thought of this group as realizing that the cost of discipleship was too high. It was too hard. It was too much. Uh, There were too many obstacles, too many barriers, too many things are going wrong. I, I just cannot handle the difficulties that seeking the Lord, that asking the Lord would bring about in my life. And so they don't ask. They just walk away. And those in the thorny soil category, they remind me of the, the YouTube famous person that said, ain't nobody got time for that. 
Their lives were too full of, of their own pursuits and their own desires and their own agenda. And when they were faced with the difficult teaching, like Jesus presented with the parable of the sower, they just said, ain't nobody got time for that, and they left. And they went home, and they went about their lives. So I, I, was, I was thinking about understanding, and, and the idea of understanding is that your heart is prepared to receive the words of the kingdom. I think Jesus' use of soil is no mistake. Uh, in, in agricultural arenas, or even in your own garden or your own flower bed, you know, the soil does not get ready for planting all by itself. It needs to be tilled. It needs to be prepared. It needs to be made ready to receive the word. And I think Jesus' point is that his spirit has gone into the world. And it, it, is, it is making the hearts of Jesus' people ready to receive the word of the kingdom so that as there was growth, as there was fruit that was being produced, it isn't because of the, the majesty of the hearer, but it's because the work of God in people's hearts had been happening. Uh, people had begun the work that Jesus and John the Baptist had called out of repentance, of, of tearing out the selfish desires, of tearing out the things uh, that were causing them to be distracted and, and, and not focus on the Lord. And the reason that people were able to do that was because God's Spirit was at work bringing about heart change. Heart change is not something that you and I can accomplish, but it is something that God, through His Spirit, can accomplish in us. And I think one of the clear takeaways from this passage is that you and I should be willing to ask God to make our hearts receptive to his word, make our hearts ready to understand the words that he has for us. The principle for this section is that understanding comes from God. Understanding comes from God. We've been watching a a, a murder mystery series on TV, and uh, one of the questions that often comes up uh, in a murder mystery with a police drama is why would somebody do this? Why would the why would the victim uh, who was a lovely person end up being killed? And the, the the murder mystery detective, his job is to bring about understanding, to look at all of the evidence and to pursue all the leads and to ask the hard questions and to keep an open mind and to disregard the red herrings and to focus on the key information. Uh, the, the, the good TV detective is going to bring understanding to the audience uh, as to why uh, the, this, this series of events unfolded as it did. And I think in, in, in some sense, that's what we want to do with God. We want to use our abilities and our skills and our effort to figure out what it is that that God wants us to do. We want to analyze and and reductionize and mix up and look and think and and wrestle through uh, all of this information so that we can figure it out. We can solve the mystery of what it is that God wants us to do uh, to be his people and I think it's significant that one of the things that we never see Jesus saying to his disciples is, you know, you just got to try harder. You just need to do more. You just need to, to work harder, put in more effort, put in more time. Uh, instead, Jesus has already said to us in the book of Matthew, come to me, 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Admittedly, it might not make for very exciting television if the TV detective is going to the Lord of the Universe and saying, help me understand what's going on in this mystery. But that's the message of Scripture. And that's what we're called to do. We are called to take our burdens and our confusion and our lack of understanding and seek the Lord that He can provide clarity and understanding in our hearts. So what are some of the questions that you and I should be taking to the Lord of the universe, to Jesus? What are some of the things that you've been wrestling with this holiday season? Uh, What are some of the challenges that you're facing as we enter into a new year? What can you be bringing to the Lord and saying, Lord, I do not understand. I don't understand. Help me understand, Lord. Help me understand what it is you're doing. Help me understand uh, what this passage of Scripture is about. Help me understand how this passage of Scripture can inform my relationships, my priorities, my life. Uh, Sometimes it can be difficult for us to bring those things and set them at the foot of the Lord because we're afraid. We're afraid of what God might do or say or or render judgment on those aspects uh, because we forget his character. We forget that this is the Lord that is saying, come to me for my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Uh, One of the things that we can can encourage each other with is we can remember the way that God has brought understanding to us in the past. Perhaps uh, you've had a way that God has worked in your life. You know, it's, it's part of our Bible study fellowship opportunity is a fellowship time to be able to say, this is how God brought understanding to my heart. This is how God did this for me. And that can be very encouraging uh, to those of us who are in a place of confusion or lack of understanding to hear the way that God has acted powerfully in the lives of his people can be an encouragement to those who are struggling today. So share your stories of, of understanding from the Lord. Let's look over at the parable of the weeds. Uh, we have the parable listed for us in Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Uh, and we can see that this is a comparison. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to Uh, a man who sowed good seed in his field. Again, Jesus' motivation is to help explain to his disciples, to his insiders, what the kingdom of heaven is like. Uh, And we get the parable about uh, the, the, the good seed was sowed in the field, an enemy came in and sowed bad seed, and then all of the seed, good and bad, began to grow. And as it got mature, it became obvious that some of these plants were wheat, maybe. And some of these plants were not wheat. Uh, one of the theories that, that people have is that maybe this was a seed called Darnell. Uh, at, at immature phases, Darnell and wheat can look very similar. I have no idea what either one looks like. Uh, but, but as these plants were first growing, they might all look the same, the wheat and the Darnell. But eventually, as they begin to change and, and become mature, the plants can be easily distinguished from one another. And the servants came to the master and said, Master, we've got a problem in field number seven. Uh, and, and the master uh, hears from them and the, the, the servants want to know what to do. Should we go weed the field now? And the master says, no, let it grow. We'll deal with it at harvest time. We will separate the wheat from the weeds at harvest time. And uh, again, if you were in the audience this day listening to Jesus, if you were part of the crowd, part of the outsiders, those who were maybe opposed to the Lord, 
uh, that might have been the end of the story that you heard. Or maybe he would have gone right into the, the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven. But then as the crowds left, Jesus is now away with his disciples. He explains the parable of the weeds for them at their request. And this is in verse uh, 37. We see Jesus beginning to explain uh, what was going on. And Jesus does a very thorough job of explaining this parable. He tells us who everything is, right? The son of man is the good seed sower. The field is the world, not the church, the world. Uh, The good seed are the sons of the kingdom. The enemy in this situation is the devil. Uh, And then the weeds are the sons of the evil one. The harvest, we're told, is the end of the age. The reapers are going to be the angels. And we're going to see the outcome that that we have of both the weeds and the wheat. The wheat is brought into the the, the barn, brought into the kingdom of heaven, and the weeds are burned. Um, they're thrown in the fiery furnace where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So uh, just super clear explanations that are here. Uh, but the reason that it's clear is because the disciples asked and Jesus explained. Jesus brought understanding uh, to the hearts of those who were waiting. And again, we remember that there's been an elapse of time. That The parable was told at one point, and at a different point, when Jesus left the crowds and went into the house, the disciples wanted more. They wanted to hear more. They might have been tired, they might have been hungry, but what they wanted first was understanding from the Lord. And so, keep that in mind as the explanations uh, for these are coming, is that the disciples were hungry to understand more uh, about Jesus' teaching. They wanted more information. So some of the things that we can that we can uh, that we can just kind of glean from this. I have a couple of thoughts to give you about the explanation, and then we'll move into our principle. First of all, uh, Satan did not have the ability to destroy the wheat. Uh, Satan wanted to do harm. Satan wanted to cause destruction. He might have liked to come in and rip out all the wheat and destroy it or burn the field. That is not what Satan was able to do. Satan could only sow his seed, his children into the world. So one of the things that we know is a reality of this life is that uh, the seed of the Lord, the seed of the Son of Man, and the seed of Satan will coexist in this world until the harvest time comes. One of the things we can also learn, and maybe it seems obvious, but the harvest is coming. Uh, a time of harvest is coming. This is the, the end of this world will come. This will coincide with Jesus' return. Some of these events are covered in the book of Revelation. But a time of, of the harvest is a time of deliverance for the, for the children of the Lord, the Son of Man, the good seed. And it is a time of judgment for those who are uh, children or who are, who are connected with Satan. So there will be a great deliverance. And there'll be a great destruction that will happen at uh, the time of the harvest. Uh, The reason for the judgment, the reason for the separation is that the Lord is going to remove everything that causes sin in all lawbreakers. Uh, That is the motivation. And so Satan and those who are aligned with him are uh, causes of sin. They are lawbreakers. They will be removed from the harvest that is coming into the barn. The other thing that I could think that we can we can gather from this parable explanation is that uh, God is not going to be thrown off by the schemes of Satan. Um, he 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 has a, an appropriate 
and ready response. The master was not surprised. He didn't scratch his head and spend a week thinking about it. He knew exactly what to do, and he knew exactly when to do it. And in this in-between season, we're waiting for the will of the master to be carried out on this earth. I think one of the things that I took to heart from this section is that God is not going to miss one of his children. Uh, we might, you know, in a, in a, in an agricultural situation, you know, maybe we could say to ourselves like, oh my gosh, if they're out there, you know, tearing out the, the Darnell, maybe they're going to damage some of the wheat. Friends, I guarantee you that the Lord of the universe is not going to miss or overlook one of his children. The story Home Alone is uh, sort of a Christmas story. It happens around Christmas time. Uh, a large family goes on a trip, leaving their youngest child behind. And all sorts of hilarity ensues, and you know it's, a, it's an interesting film. But friends, I guarantee you that this situation of Home Alone is not something that God's people will find themselves in. God knows who his children are, and he will not miss you when the gathering time comes to bring people into his kingdom. But perhaps you're not so worried about the end of the age. You're worried about now. You feel a little bit like you're living home alone, 2022, forgotten by God. Apart from God's people uh, and God's family. Perhaps it's because of some of the isolation that comes because of COVID. Perhaps it's because of this the, the nature, sometimes the, the reflectiveness of the new year. Uh, or some of the challenges that you face in the holiday season, um, you know, we, we can end up feeling forsaken and forgotten by God. As we see good things happening in the lives of people around us, we can sometimes feel like, Lord, what about me? Have you forgotten me? And I think one of the things that I would encourage you and I would encourage myself with is that, you know, the Psalms are filled with examples of people feeling forgotten or forsaken by God. Uh, For whatever reason, David had many psalms where he just felt like he was out there on his own, doing his own thing, and Lord, you've forgotten me. Um, And I think it's a natural tendency of our hearts to feel that way. We tend to want to go into like orphan loner mode. We're like John Wayne. The Lord has forgotten us. We're on our own. We have to make our way through the world by ourselves, bitter and maybe with a shotgun. Um, but the reality is, is that the way out of this mentality, this orphan, loner, isolated, home alone mentality, is to think back on what God has already done on your behalf. Perhaps it's a small thing or a large thing he's done in your past. Perhaps it's a way that he has sent his son to forgive you of, of sin. But when we can reflect back on the faithfulness of God, maybe to ourselves or to all of God's people, it can bring about a change of heart uh, in our lives. The psalmists do this all the time, and sometimes they're just remembering what God has done for Israel, even not necessarily for them personally. But my encouragement to you and my encouragement to me is that you would spend some time with your group, with people in BSF, remembering the things that God has done for you in your past to be encouraged in the time of loneliness today. And the other thing that we can always do is we can always ask God to help us remember or to help us understand why we're facing the challenges that we have in our lives today. I began this lecture talking about my my family, my family situation. Uh, And I realize that some of you might have family situations that are painful. Uh, You might have family situations that are non-existent. And uh, certainly the season of Christmas and New Year's uh, can be a painful reminder. Perhaps you've been with your family 
Perhaps you've been without your family, and it's been a painful reminder of what's missing uh, in your life from a family perspective. Friends, the great news for all of us is that God is truly offering us a place in His family. And His family will be devoid of the shortcomings and the sin and the fallen nature of our families. Uh, God does not intend you and I to go through this world alone. He's made church families. They are, they are, they are not perfect. Uh, but he has made ways for his people to be together because that is how we will spend eternity as a family with the Lord as our loving Heavenly Father. The question for you and I is, are we willing to accept what God has offered? Are we willing to trust him that the family experience that he has for us is vastly superior to any we could cultivate on this earth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, not only the parables, but also the explanations that you've given. Uh, Lord, again, um, it is easy for us to become confused. It is easy for us to feel that we are isolated and alone. Lord, I pray that your word would remind us that you have family in our future uh, and that you have understanding for us today. Help us to trust you, Lord. Help us to look to you Uh, to receive understanding, and to receive a place uh, in your eternal home. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.